Hello, friends, and take a stroll with us to WGT Pebble Beach number three. That's where we're going on the final week of this awesome competition with WGT. So how do you get in? Go to freewgt.com, download the WGT app, and what it is is it's the best golf game out there. Heck, I'll say it's just the best app sports game out there. It is so much fun. I've been playing since 2012, and I want you guys to play with us on our final week of this competition. So after you go to freewgt.com and download the app, go into game modes, go to Pebble Beach, and then choose the closest to the hole challenge. Play the third hole on Pebble Beach and send us a screenshot of how close you got to the hole. And what that'll do is if you are the closest this week to the hole, then you're going to win a prize. You are going to win the weekly prize. But then also, if you send us a screenshot, and let's say you're not the closest to the hole, or even if you are, send us that screenshot to DNVR Broncos on Twitter, DNVR Broncos, and that will enter you into the grand prize, which we are choosing this week. So don't miss out. In fact, you have about 24 hours. Get these in before Thursday morning, and it will enter you to get a chance for tickets to a game or a jersey of your choice. So make sure you do that. It's not too late, but don't wait too long and play the most fun golf game out there. That's freewgt.com, and let's play some golf. All right, Mace, let's jump into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Mace, how you doing on a, a post-Emmanuel Sanders life? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how fine the Broncos passing game will be. <laughs> I'm curious to see not just how Deshaun Hamilton does, but how Cortland Sutton does. Because last year, remember, he saw more bracket coverage down the stretch in those last four games after Emmanuel Sanders ruptured his Achilles. And he didn't respond very well. He struggled. So we're about to learn a lot more about Cortland Sutton going forward. He's on about an 11, about a thousand, 1100 yard pace at Mm. this point. Probably even more than that. I'm probably underestimating that a little bit. Can he stay on that pace without Emmanuel Sanders taking some of the pressure off. And I'll tell you something that would help him, and that's Strava Craft Coffee. Give him that boost that he needs before the Indianapolis game, going up against a stout defense. And of course, Strava Craft Coffee is the presenting sponsor of this Broncos podcast. So we thank them, but we also use them. We So many people in the office drink Strava Craft Coffee for the coffee because it's great coffee, but also the CBD benefits. Uh, it helps relieve aches, pains. It really helps with really any part of the body, headaches. Um, I, I haven't heard anyone say that it hasn't helped them. So make sure you check them out. And when you do check them out, use the code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. 
All right, Mace, you kind of touched on it. And uh, how concerned are you about Cortland Sutton stepping into this role? I'm not terribly concerned. I mean, there are questions until he actually does it. But I've seen enough growth from him this year to where I think he can handle it. Last year, he was still mostly just a nine-ball guy. This year, we've seen more branches grow on the route tree for him. Becoming a better all-around receiver. I think in the long term, he'll do fine. There may be some bumps along the way. It would help him if Deshaun Hamilton can show something. Yep. And, and now that's a big question. With Deshaun, how comfortable do you feel? Because it kind of feels like the exact opposite of last year when Cortland was forced to be the one. He struggled mightily. But Deshaun, on the other hand, was fantastic. In fact, he he only in those final four games when he was the number two receiver, I think if he did that four game pace for an entire season, would average out to like Six, seven hundred yards, but it would have been a hundred catches. catches. He had 25 catches in four games, so he was dynamite. And now you kind of flip it this year. You talked about Cortland and why I'm not as concerned about him is exactly what you said is his route tree has grown. He's not just a one-trick pony anymore. And Deshaun has been non-existent. I'm not sure that Joe Flacco trusts Deshaun Hamilton. Mm, does it start with that drop touchdown in the Raiders game? Yes, I think that's it. And I don't think the two of them have gotten back on the same page. And the other thing with Deshaun Hamilton, he did have 25 receptions. He also had a very low per catch average. Like, for example, the 49er game last year, 7 for 47. The Cleveland game, 7 for 46. The Raiders game, 6 for 40. The Chargers game five for forty nine, so all under fifty. Exactly. He so literally, you take uh, forty and forty nine. That's eighty nine plus forty seven and forty six. That's ninety three. So that's one hundred and eighty two. All mental math. Look at that yards. <laughs> I believe yep. on twenty five receptions. I mean, so you add that up, and that's barely over seven yards a catch. Yeah. That's not going to do. That's not going to be sufficient. So Deshaun Hamilton, he can't just be a catch monster. He's actually got to do something with the ball. Right. When he gets it. Right. Now, if Deshaun Hamilton can become a, even a nine and a half yards per catch guy, I'd like to see 10, but let's just say nine and a half. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. As long as he's not dropping passes, if Joe Flacco finds some trust in him, and he can get involved. I think Deshaun Hamilton may be a guy that simply just needs to be involved and get into a groove a so little if, bit. If you're Rich Gangarello, are you building your game plan and building your script, which has been successful, even though the offense has not been successful, are you building it to get Deshaun involved early so that maybe the Colts are, are have all the emphasis on Cortland Sutton, and then that first drive they're thinking, Oh, okay. Maybe we need to take a little bit off Cortland and put it put more attention on Deshaun. Absolutely, but I'm spreading it around. I'm involving Noah Fant. I'm involving Jeff Hireman. And I'm certainly involving Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman out of the backfield. Yep. All of this is going to have to replace Emmanuel Sanders. It's going to be a collective. The uh, the Moneyball term recreating Emmanuel in the aggregate. That's what you have to do. What I would do is I would use Philip Lindsay in a Theo Riddick role. And maybe a little bit of Royce Freeman as well. Uh, but we know that Theo Riddick's not going to be available this weekend, uh, as, as he can't be. 
But what I would do is really use those running backs all over the field. Am I confident that that's going to happen? No, I'm, I'm not confident at all. But I do think that they're going to replace some of Emmanuel's production, which hasn't been a lot lately, through the backfield, but it's just going to be coming out of the backfield. How much of a threat is that, though, Mace, when, when your running backs are catching seven balls, but it's all just coming on, on from the backfield? Well, it can be a threat because a significant threat because it can spread the defense horizontally, give them more area to cover. You Maybe if you're getting the ball to the running backs in the flat, maybe the linebackers can't camp out in the box. So maybe you can spread things out and you can set things up to where you you might have some opportunities for some draw plays. There are, there are things that can happen as a result of that. Of course, as you're talking about having Phil Lindsay in the Theo Riddick role, <laughs> thought, well, it would make Bronco fans very unhappy, perhaps, but it's still possible at some point you might see Theo Riddick in the Theo Riddick role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That laughs> Which would mean that you don't see True Lock. <laughs> oh, boy. And that would be, you know why it makes sense? is because that's a win-now move, isn't it? Is to bring Tim Patrick back, who we found out from John Elway will be back after the bye, and Theo Riddick. Those are the two guys that probably help you the most right now. Uh, unfortunately, this is only audio not video because <laughs> if we had a camera you would see me just shaking my head in a <laughs> yeah. foreign manner you know what you have to do with theo riddick you have to say boy what an unfortunate signing we gave him what two and a half million dollars to he, practice for 10 days a he's week simeon rice 2.0 if he doesn't get on the field and but you, that's still a better outcome yep. than not activating drew lock <laughs> exactly you gotta say it was a bad signing, but you know what? We're not going to double down on this. We're just going to say it was one bad decision, and and not you don't even have to say it's a bad decision. You can you can sell it to yourself as it was unfortunate, but don't then put a bad decision on top of that, especially because it's not like he was ready to go after three weeks and he's just been sitting healthy on the bench. No, he's still uh, nursing that. Uh, what was it? A wrist. He's still nursing that injury, so no need to bring him out. And you know what? The Theo Riddick era could very well be one year, $2.5 million, and he played one week in the preseason. Well, the worst thing would be if they say, well, we paid Theo Riddick this money, so we have to see if we can realize some of that investment, recoup that. Well, no. You have to accept sunk cost. Yep. And unfortunately, it's not on Theo Riddick if, Kevin Hogan is accurate. Theo Riddick probably doesn't hurt his wrist. Yep. Thanks, Kevin Hogan. That, that's the <laughs> gift of Kevin Hogan that has endured is the fact that Theo Riddick has been available. But we were talking about it before the podcast. A uh, story from Nine News' Mike Kliss suggests that you might not see Drew Locke until even the last couple of games of the regular season. That it's entirely possible that they don't activate Locke at all. That it is Tim Patrick and Theo Riddick. Why? 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 Now, Mace, is it because they know who Drew Locke is? It, do they know something behind the scenes that either told him this is the guy or told him the complete opposite? This isn't the guy. And so no matter what he does on the field, we're going in a different direction. I mean, that's the only thing. Well, if that's the case, then you better draft a quarterback next spring. Yep. Without a doubt. 
And one reason why we've been jackhammering this <laughs> to get Drew Locke on the field when the season is lost is because, and I think, frankly, it's because we have seen that this team has had question marks or at quarterback and has still said, you know what, we're good. In the 2018 draft, you've got Case Keenum, who's never been the guy. He's been a backup coming in and playing well, but he's never been the guy. And you had Paxton Lynch and then Chad Kelly. And in a quarterback-rich draft in which you had a top-five pick, the Broncos looked at that scenario and said, we're good. Yeah, we like Sam Darnold, but we're going to stand pat. And... (sighs) It's my fear that if they don't get Drew Locke out there, that they would say, okay, we don't know what we've got, but we're good, and that they would let another quality quarterback class pass them by with a potentially high draft pick. What did John Elway say when uh, when the Broncos were picking fifth? I think it was just a, about a week leading up to that. He said, we don't want to be here again. We don't want to be in the top five again. So yeah, it's great to get a generational player, but I don't want to be here again. If you don't want to be here again, then get the quarterback of the future. That's the best way to help make sure that you're not going to be there. Getting the quarterback of the future, you know what that may mean? And and maybe it's Drew Locke. Maybe it's someone else. It probably means that you're going to struggle for another year or two in terms of your win-loss record. I mean, look at the Jets right now. I know Sam Darnold's seeing ghosts out there, but I don't think the Jets feel bad. Jets fans feel bad about where the team is for the long term of the future. They have their quarterback. They believe they have their quarterback, but you're going to struggle. That's where John Elway probably is struggling the most, is saying, if I really do get a young quarterback, it's going to be maybe 6-10, and 10, maybe 7-9. and nine. Heck, it could be four and twelve, but at least you're going somewhere. I completely agree. You're That's just to, what scares me. Though. Yeah, you're you're two and five after yeah. going six and ten, and you've done it with Case Keenum and Joe Flacco. You're spinning your wheels. You're going nowhere. And an additional part of this, let's say Drew Locke doesn't come back till week. What would that be? Thirteen against the Chargers at home. <sighs> then that means he's just not practicing right now, and. How how can you sell yourself the idea that Drew Locke shouldn't at least be practicing? Again, if they see something that scared them. Yep. But to me... But they shouldn't be putting all their eggs developmentally in the Drew Locke basket. And that's why if you see something that you don't like about him, that's well and good. But then you better be prepared to take, name your quarterback next year, Herbert, Burrow, um, Jalen Hurts, somebody, you'd better be prepared to do that in 2020. So if you are if you are that hesitant about putting Drew Locke out there, he cannot be your only young option, period. So would the hope, let's say Drew Locke continues to sit, let's say they don't bring him back off fire, let's say he plays the final two or three games of the season, which is less than you and I want to see him play. Yes. Would it give you hope if John Elway, every single Saturday from here until the end of the college football season, is at Oregon, he's at Oklahoma, he's at Alabama, he's watching the games with the high-profile quarterbacks, is that a case where you say, 
okay, I understand what's going on here, and it's okay if we don't see Drew Locke. Yes. Even though there's no guarantee they pick a quarterback because they did the tour in 2017, and then with the number five pick, they didn't do anything uh, at that position. But if you see him out there at those games here in the next few weeks and in the bowl season, then, yeah, okay, I'll feel a bit better. And John certainly wouldn't come out midseason and say, yeah, Drews just hasn't shown us anything. He's not our guy. Right. But his actions would speak loud. And that is, I would still want to see Drew Locke because what if he's just the ultimate gamer? What if what if he's Brett Favre-esque? But Exactly, but then you know. But then you get him out there and you know. Right. You find that out. Yeah. You start you start learning that. Otherwise, you're, you're just pushing it back. What did we talk about? with the salary cap that you've gone from paying as you go to kicking the can down the road. Well, here's another can that you're kicking down the road <laughs> senselessly. I think, Ugh, man, alive. <laughs> you know what the original sin of all this though is what 2012 draft, not drafting Russell Wilson, drafting Brock Osweiler instead. Mm-hmm. And it recently came up. On Adam Schefter's podcast, he was talking with Jack Del Rio, the Broncos defensive coordinator at the time, and he, he was in the building. And here is what Jack Del Rio told Adam Schefter about Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Let me, let me just tell you about Denver. He, he came through our building, and he was so impressive. Russell just wasn't tall enough. You know, for what John wanted. I mean, but you know, everything else he loved about him. I mean, he came in, he's got a big hand, he's got a strong presence. You know, he'd look you in the eye, you, had, you could just tell he, he was a man. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, he, he was mobile and he did a lot of things that you covet, you know, accurate and can th- really throw, really a good athlete. He just didn't kind of meet that height threshold. So a lot of people passed on him and he, he's sure making them regret that. Wow. Oh, <laughs> oh, my stars! You've got to be my kidding gracious. me! You've got to be. I mean, that everything that is, but height. <laughs> that is the last thing that you want to hear. It's the last thing. It shows that John Elway is hung up on height, and he admitted it with Kyler Murray th- this yes. off season, and that is so scary. It means you're. Crossing quarterbacks of quality and potential off the list. And the other thing is, every quarterback, except maybe Andrew Luck coming out in the draft in 2012, every quarterback has a flaw. But John Elway has decided, apparently, based on this tale from Jack Del Rio, that this is the flaw he can't overlook. It's not, oh, he has a hitch in his delivery that needs to be corrected. Yep. It's not, oh, his pocket presence isn't the best his feel for the pass rush isn't the best it's height I wonder what Jack Del Rio would honestly say the Broncos evaluation of Brock Osweiler was was it once he walked in the door game over because his head almost hit the the ceiling when he walked in and that was all for John that's all he needed and you know a little bit mobile strong arm if that's the case then John probably shouldn't be picking the quarterback of the future for the Broncos. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. But I refer to that as the original sin of this whole process because 
if you get Russell Wilson instead of Brock Osweiler in 2012, imagine all the history that you've changed. <laughs> yep. I would say the Broncos still lose Super Bowl 48. Yep. But they lose it to the 49ers. Right. Colin Kaepernick might have been a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Wow. Do you think Colin Kaepernick <laughs> would still be unemployed in the NFL if he had a Super Bowl ring on his finger? Can't be, right? Yeah. Th- this is something that in the offseason, we've talked about yep. how I'm going to do this series of what ifs. These are going to be so fun. This is a what if. Yep. But this is the what if that really has the most impact on the Broncos to this day. It does. And Mace, you hope that he would have learned from that, that John would have said, I loved everything about Russell Wilson. It was silly for me to to put height as the determining factor, and I've learned from it. But like we just talked about, he said the same thing about Kyler Murray. And that was, what, seven years later? Mm -hmm. So that doesn't give me hope that in 12 months, John's going to change his mind. The other thing that's interesting is when I hear something like that and then I see the draft pattern and uh, acquisition pattern of subsequent years, you know, you bring in Joe Flacco, for example, and they brought in Case Keenum, who was, what, six foot, six one? Yep. So he wasn't all that tall. Yep. But they had him for a year and said no, but... Case Keenum is not Russell Wilson. Case right. Keenum doesn't have Russell Wilson's arm. Right. Doesn't have a lot of things that Russell Wilson has. So you hope that John didn't say, ah, Case Keenum didn't work out because he wasn't tall. Right. <laughs> Case Keenum didn't work out for a lot of other reasons. The fact that he wasn't a tall quarterback had nothing to do with it. Yep, exactly. Boy, this conversation probably makes you want to crack open a cold Breckenridge <laughs> brew. And there's so many to choose from. Today, I believe we're supposed to get... Uh, Heavy snow is what the signs are saying, and so that'll be perfect for a vanilla porter or, with the Nuggets season starting, a Michael Vanilla Porter Jr. Ale for you. An avalanche beer, so delicious. Still, I'm I'm still going for the Colorado core as the leaves are out, and it is as fall as it can be. So make sure that whatever you want to celebrate tonight and this weekend, that you're going for the Colorado Corps. Great for Halloween parties, which I think are starting this weekend. So make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery. So many good options. And let us know which one you choose. And also, speaking of local, make sure you check out Denver Rubber Company. And you know that we love these guys. And... It may not be the rubber company that you think. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. They're an ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Again, that's 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And make sure you tell them that DNVR sent you. All right, Mace. 
Should we hear from the people? Yes, let's go to the people, the voice of the people. We're going to start with the Manning-faced God. Hey, guys, Mason and I called it yesterday. Emmanuel Sanders was shipped off to San Francisco. And, man, am I impressed with this trade. I know Elway always gets slack from fans, but it's moments like this that show why he's such a great GM. I can't believe we got a third and a fourth for a 32-year-old wide receiver coming off an Achilles injury. I was skeptical that we would even get a third because teams would be hesitant due to his Achilles. Hats off to Elway for making this trade happen. Also, Emmanuel will greatly be missed. But I'm glad he got to move on like he wanted. We need to have guys on the team that want to be a Bronco and still want to be on the ship, even if it is sinking. Thanks, guys. It was good value. It was all things considered. I know there are some that looked at the Muhammad Sanu trade and said, okay, he's not as accomplished as a receiver and the Patriots had to surrender a second-round pick, but Mohamed Sanu is two years younger, doesn't have the Achilles injury, and has another full year left on his contract. The contract, I think, is actually the biggest thing here. Yep. Yep. Now, it would not at all surprise me if the 49ers do re-sign Emmanuel Sanders next March. If it works out, they have the cap space. They have the cash budget. It's something they can easily do. If he works out, and then good for them, but still, given the contract, given the injury, given everything, it was as good a haul as you could possibly have hoped for. And additionally, Emmanuel Sanders' stats, the first three games of the season, were great. The last four games, he was trending down, there's no other way to put it, and teams could have leveraged that to say, oh, maybe his... Uh, maybe his Achilles is acting up or something, but John was still able to get the three and a four. So yeah, that zero, zero complaints about what they got from Emmanuel. All right, next one coming in from the Manny Face God again says, hey guys, another quick comment. I saw this on Twitter yesterday. John Burchard, who I guess covers Philly sports, tweeted that he's heard from multiple sources that Vaughn is a quote, cancer to the team. Now, Burchard is a verified account. So there's, is there any validity to this? If anyone would, would know it would definitely be my guys at DNVR. Hopefully this is a bunch of BS because I would never think of Vaughn being a cancer to this team. He's definitely not a Ray Lewis personality, but he's for sure a leader. Thanks again, guys. I wouldn't say he's a leader per se in the way that DeMarcus Ware was a leader on that side of the ball, but I would definitely not say that Vaughn Miller is a cancer. Absolutely not. Um, Cancer, you're talking about somebody who has a negative attitude, and it spreads to others. Yep, That's a locker room cancer. Vaughn may not be happy with every way in which he's being used right now, but he's not letting that bleed onto other players. So I would say, with all respect to uh, this Philadelphia talk show host, that's a, but that's a completely farcical notion. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Vaughn is a very good teammate. He's someone that you can count on in that locker room. Uh, like you said, he may not be the happiest, but he's certainly not bringing everyone around him down. And no one's happy at 2-5. and five. Exactly. Anyway, Elroy Jetson. Elroy Jetson. My daughter and I were singing the Jetsons <laughs> theme song over the weekend. We were down at Disney World. Hello from Bourbon Country. The very first game this year immediately made me go, oh, crap, here we go again. After watching Night of the Living Flacco, <laughs> I'm starting to think I'd like to see Allen or anyone just to see something different. Are there any matchups against Indy? I am looking for any excuse to have hope for my birthday weekend to be good, but I just don't see it. 
I am going after more vanilla porter this weekend, but may need to step up to Kentucky straight if I have to watch more of this dumpster fire of an offense hurting my beloved Broncos. The Bronco horse tattoo on my arm is crying now. At least I still have you guys to look forward to listening to. <laughs> All right, well, matchups. There are more matchups that cause concern in this game, particularly uh, when you're looking at Justin Houston and Darius Leonard off the edge. Yeah. And our Matt McChesney pointed this out when he was on with Les Shapiro and Eric Goodman on Tuesday afternoon on the radio. Justin Houston, he referred to him as Garrett Bowles' kryptonite. Oh. And Garrett Bowles is hardly Superman. Mm. But Bowles has had a lot of problems with Justin Houston over the years. Yep. And we'll see if Bowles is out there on Sunday. There's still there's still rumblings that there may be a change of foot with Juwan James coming back at right tackle, and maybe you move Elijah Wilkinson over. Me, I think for the sake of the locker room, you cannot keep throwing Garrett Bowles out there at left tackle. Yep. There's certainly the notion that he's keeping his job only because he was a first-round pick. Yep. But from a matchup perspective, I'm not sure I want to see Garrett Bowles out there against Houston or when they move Darius Leonard over against Darius Leonard. I think it would be terrible for him. It would be terrible. And here's the thing. At 2-5, and five, it, it's tough to keep the locker room. But here's where you definitely lose the locker room is where you keep doing things that the team and the players know is just hurting the team. And that's one way that Vic can make sure he doesn't lose the locker room is making these changes. Last week he said he was open to making these changes, but we'll see if this is when they do it, or I wouldn't be shocked if they waited until after the bye to make some significant changes, which of course would mean two more games of Garrett Bowles and what's going on. But you had a mini-bye this week. You did. You You had the Thursday night game last week. So... Now seems as good a time as any. I hate the notion of waiting for the buy. I do Why? too. Yeah, you can't get a guy ready in a week because it's if a it. player's injured, you get him ready in a week. Sometimes you get him ready in an hour because it's an easy excuse, and it lets you kick the can down the line, like we've been oh, saying. So I don't agree with it either, but I just feel like that's wouldn't be surprised. To Maybe see that, that should be the title of this podcast when we put it up on the site. <laughs> Kick the can down the road. That's what it'll be. <laughs> Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, boys, good to see Sanders going out to Kyle and John on an undefeated team. After Elway has wasted the last three-plus years of Vaughn's prime, I would love to see him traded to the Pats or 49ers so he could have a chance at another Super Bowl MVP. Mace, say it with me. Go Zoomies. <laughs> Still miss RK. You'll hear from RK again soon. He'll be back on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't don't worry, mm, man. Do you imagine trading Vaughn to the Patriots? And we know Tom Brady's maybe the weak link of that team, so it could open the door for Vaughn to be Super Bowl MVP. Man, <laughs> nah. I argued in my story yesterday that you hang on to Vaughn Miller because his skill set, what he does, should allow him to be productive in his 30s. We've seen it before with elite pass rushers. I see no reason why Von Miller can't be next in that line. So I'm, I'm still against trading Von Miller. That's, I think that's kind of the horse I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep riding. Yeah, you have to be blown away by an offer in order for it to make sense. Yep. You, you, you can't just give him away, that's for sure. Okay. Blue Ridge Bronco 52. By the way, hey, I wonder what part of the Blue Ridge 
you're from. I'm often uh, uh, up in Asheville. It's where my wife and I got married, mm. right there, uh, not too far from the Blue Ridge Parkway. How big is a Blue Ridge? Well, it's basically Virginia down through North Carolina. Okay. Um, you get into you get into Tennessee. You get more into the Smoky Mountains. So it's a wide area he could be yeah. from. It's all part of the uh, of the Appalachian yeah. mountain range. Been listening for a while and just subscribed after I found out DNVR carried all of Six Zero Academy's O-line breakdown videos. Our friend Matt McChesney, yes. Yep. Great trade for Denver and he, Manuel Sanders. Sanders was a gem to watch for the last six seasons. Sanders was able to go to a winning team with playoff aspirations, and Denver just got a third and a fourth for a 32-year-old wide receiver on a contract year. Keep the sale going, Broncos, and get Locke off of IR. You know what? I'm getting a, a sense from Bronco fans. It's not just, okay, that's a good value for Sanders, but they're happy for Emmanuel. Yep. That for what he contributed over the last five and a half years, his role in a couple of Super Bowls, so many big plays over the years, they're happy he's going to a contender. Yep. You wonder if pre-trade, pre-a Chris Harris Jr. trade, if fans also feel that same way. If they kind of want Chris to go somewhere to contend this year for everything he's done for the Broncos. And uh, and especially with being on a contract year. I remember when those trades went in the other direction. Yep. 2015, the Broncos are trading for Vernon Davis from San Francisco. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Who, by the way, they criminally underutilized him. Oh, I mean, I, I thought his career was over after just how he was non-existent in and, Denver, and, and then, then he goes, he goes on, goes to Washington. He's Vernon Davis again. Yeah. Uh, I think there's one person at which she placed the blame for that, and that's Brian Periani. Hmm. And of course, Gary Kubiak, when he was talking about coming back to the team back in January. He wanted to bring Brian Periani back with him. Yep. And what I gathered at the time was that was the line in the sand. Not Rick Dennison, not anybody else. But Brian Periani did yep. not want him back on the staff. And Makes that's sense. why Gary Kubiak is a Minnesota Viking yep. coach right now. Doing good things with Kirk Cousins the past few games, too. Yes. Next one coming in from Missouri Broncos says, Hey, guys, I was going to help Zach out yesterday on the subscription competition, but I subscribed right before listening to Monday's podcast. Anyway, Zach, I root for the underdog, so I hope you can win against the Titans of RK and Mace. Zach's ahead of me right now, so I don't know that he's the underdog. Oh, the problem no, is I'm, I'm a terrible I am a terrible salesperson <laughs> because, in general— I don't like salespeople. I'm sorry. I know some of you listening are in sales, but when people give me kind of the hard sale, the hard push, yep. I retreat. It's mm -hmm. kind of the Asperger's kicking in. I don't, I don't want any part of that. So I have a significant problem selling. It's something I, that I can't do very well. So I don't know what to say. Please use the code MACE. <laughs> you want to subscribe and start commenting on this? Yep. Help me out. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to say, hey, let, what can I do to put you in this website today? <laughs> well, just, I, I think that the quality of what we do should be the sales pitch. The quality of what we do is, here on this podcast, the written coverage over on the DMVR.com, what all of us do covering the teams uh, on whose beats we are right now, that should be the selling point. And if you want to use Mace as the code, I'd really appreciate that. Please for me boom there there you go i'd say that was a very 
legitimate cell. That was borderline and, uh, begging. <laughs> <laughs> or you can use the, the code Zach as well, Z-A-C or Mace, M-A-S-E, to get in. Uh, and guys, if you love the podcast and that's all you do, well, this just supports us. It helps us to continue to produce this free podcast on a daily basis. But also, let's say you love the podcast, but you also want to want to see what we're writing. Well, then you get that by using the promo code MACE or the promo code Zach on the website, not just for Broncos, but for all four beats. And you get a t-shirt when you become part of our family as well. And there are some awesome t-shirts out there. So hop on the DNVR.com, check us out and subscribe and use one of our codes, Mace or Zach. All right. Missouri Bronco continues and says, almost as I said, or almost as soon as I said it, I may actually be coming out to a Broncos game. The Lions are probably going to be it, as I will be back on Christmas break and won't have to worry about rushing home. We'll definitely stop by if I'm able to go. Go Broncos. Absolutely stop by the tailgate. Yeah, definitely. But don't forget that game could be on Saturday or it could be on Sunday. We're going to hear uh, probably in the next week or so if that game is Saturday or Sunday. I'm just, I'm hoping it's not Saturday night. Yep. But given... A couple of the other games are like are between two playoff contenders. You've got Rams at 49ers. You've also got Bills at Patriots. I figure one of those games is going to get the primetime slot on Saturday. So I'm guessing the Broncos will play Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. I guess then the one that you don't want is uh, 11 a.m. Mountain Time on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Oh, man, that would be rough. Sir James Radio, not sure which pod to comment on, so I'll just dump it on here in the original pod. Emmanuel Sanders was my spirit animal since he arrived in Denver. I don't fault Sanders for wanting the ball more after the PFM days and the fact that he is one of the more electric players at the position. With that said, you absolutely couldn't have asked for more in a trade for him. A great deal by Elway, who's been very good at moving on from players at the right time. Sir James Radio, PS to RK, and his buffs fight on. Yeah, I mean, Elway has done a good job with some players moving on at the right time. I'm very curious to see what happens with Derek Wolf. He's a guy who I wouldn't have blamed the Broncos if they moved on from him a few years ago, two years ago, last year, this year. Now he's on a contract year with apparently reports are saying that there's interest out there for him. He's playing well right now. And mm-hmm. I think relative to the last few years, if you did trade Derek Wolf, you'd be selling high. Mm, this is the best ball that he's played, I think, since early in the 2016 season. And isn't that when you want to sell? Yes. And here's the thing. Will Derek Wolf be a Bronco when this team is competitive again? Will, will he have a big impact? John? Or will he be just a rotational guy? Right. And don't forget with Derek Wolf. I mean, he really does love Denver. There's the possibility yeah. that you could trade him and you could get him back in free agency in March. Wow. It wow. could really be a rental if you trade Derek Wolf. It could be. And if you get, say, a fifth or sixth round pick for a rental, I think you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Next one coming in from Missouri Broncos. A sad day in Broncos country. I loved Emmanuel Sanders and almost got his jersey. He was a great asset to our team and just a great person. Too bad our offense is too incompetent to increase his production. Time for Sutton. With that said, Sanders is a great fit for the 49ers. Mace explained the entire situation perfectly. The Niners just fit the bill for what he would end up. You guys talked about briefly about how Sanders wanted out, and I wanted to expand on that a little bit. 
I remember the big three free agents in the 2014 offseason, TJ, Akib, and DeMarcus, all saying how Denver was a great place to be and how they knew they were on a team that was going to maintain an extremely high level and win a title. Do you guys think that if we continue to keep sucking, especially with no apparent plan in place to return to glory, that we will be left unable to attract big-name free agents in the future? I know that we are getting younger and are stacking up picks, but I think the team should want to be an attractive spot for free agents. Okay, it should be an attractive spot for free agents, but what made the team attractive earlier this decade? Peyton Manning. Exactly, PFM. The new reality, the post-Peyton reality, should have been made obvious back in 2017 when you pursued Calais Campbell, but you thought, okay, you can get a hometown discount because he went to Denver South. Well, yep. no. Calais Campbell wasn't giving the hometown discount. Yep. The hometown discount is sort of a misnomer. The discount is actually if you've got talent, if you have a high-level quarterback that can get you to a Super Bowl, that can make all the players' dreams of winning the whole thing come true. So ask yourself this. Are any players signing with the Broncos to be around Joe Flacco? <laughs> no. No. They're not going to give that sort of discount again until you get the quarterback position right, until you get a high-level player there. Players want to go to Kansas City because of Patrick Mahomes. Yep. They want to go to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. They want to go to New England, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. The Broncos are not one of those teams right now. Um. And because of that, they have to pay a premium. They have to pay probably more than a player of Jawan James's skill set and injury history should warrant. Yep. Yep. To lock him down. Exactly. So again, it's it's all about the quarterback. Yep. As it has been, it will be. And that's all why, about the quarterback. And that's why if this season isn't going anywhere, which at two and five, it certainly doesn't appear, you have to do everything you can to find out how to get that quarterback, and if you have that quarterback. It, yeah, to not play Drew Locke and not start finding out about him, I'm sorry. That's a short-sighted decision. It's it's criminal. It's criminal. Next one coming in from Trip Typical Trev says, Curious to know, is it possible to trade players that are on IR? I would imagine not, but if so, it seems like Riddick would be an intriguing option. Yeah, you can trade players on IR, but there wasn't a, a great deal of interest in Theo Riddick earlier, and maybe that could change now. I think you think about it. Someone calls, I think you think about it. Is that like a conditional seventh? Yes. Yeah, I mean, just to get something. Yeah, and, and get that contract off your books. Boy. For the next 10 weeks. Why would you not do that? Save a million and a half, a million yeah. and a quarter? And look, if you're not going anywhere, you're two and five, you're trending down, five of your next seven are against the, are on the road against teams that are all in playoff position right now. I mean, really, what are the, what are the chances of a turnaround? I mean, it's going to take a miracle. It would. I mean, miracles can happen. <laughs> Forrest Gump once said, Miracles happen every day. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> anyway, Count Flacula. Merrick Garland is to Barack Obama as Russell Wilson is to Broncos fans. <laughs> Mace, I would love to see the Broncos draft Wilson hypothesis as one of your future Denver or DNVR what-if stories. Love the count. Don't it's, worry. That's going to be one. That may be the first one count, that the, I write. The count must have really enjoyed the first segment. Yes. <laughs> Mace, the, I'm looking so forward to those. Yeah, and then Missouri Bronco responds to the count. We still got a Super Bowl without Wilson, but we would no doubt be in a better position now with someone who can take one step outside the pocket. After all, Wilson can beat Mahomes. And look, when you're looking for a quarterback, my only standard right now is 
Who is the guy that can go throw for throw, drive for drive, touchdown for touchdown with Patrick Mahomes? Yep. I'm not convinced Drew Locke is that guy. I think you have to put him in and start finding out, but I, I don't see Patrick Mahomes from Drew Locke. That's my standard. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And if you finish on pace for 4-12, and 5-11, and 11, you'll have an opportunity to at least be close enough to then go trade whatever you need to to go get that guy. Another one from Count Flacula. Also, the emergency pod was greatly appreciated. And speaking of sirens, Mace, do you think you can carve out a cameo appearance for Sam Darnold in Dead Tone 2 where he looks at the current Broncos front office room with a miasma of terrible contracts and a wacky 2020 draft board in the background and says something about, quote, seeing ghosts, unquote. <laughs> you know, one of those campy throwback moments that inculcates the prequel. There is at least a 75% chance he would do it, I bet. Love the count. Yes, that sounds like a plan for Dead Tone 2. <laughs> Going to be all sorts of cameos. Of course, we also have to have Peyton Manning in there as well, yeah. playing a sheriff. <laughs> yeah. And he says, when I was working in Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> we oh, know Peyton man. can act, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But what can't Peyton do? That's true. <laughs> man, there's, a, there's not much better than you reading the Count's comments. Next one coming in from Super Bowl and says, really appreciate the emergency pod. Excited to see how this impacts our wide receiver target numbers. Would love to see Cortland and Winfrey on the outside and Hamilton in the slot. I direct this to Mace because something tells me he is the one guy who will know this off the top of his head. What percentage of Cortland Sutton snaps have been covered by the team's number one corner? You guys touched on it last podcast. He will be seen as the number one threat and treated as such, which may have a negative impact on his productivity. The fantasy football world is smashing the buy button on Sutton right now. But personally, I don't expect a whole lot more production from him solely because Sanders was seeing less targets already. If he could maintain his current average game stats, I think it would be a damn good sign. Well, I mean, I don't have it off the top of my head, unfortunately, but Let's look back at Cortland Sutton against the Chiefs last week. You'd say Brashad Breeland is their number one corner, right? Yep. Okay. He had one target, one reception against Breeland for 41 yards. Hey. Has big play. He had three targets, two receptions against Traverius Ward, one and one against Mars Claiborne, one and one against Darius Wilson, one and one against Rashad Fenton. So it was kind of spread around a little bit. That's just one game. Maybe... Uh, Let's take a look at, say, the Jaguars game. Of course, when Jalen Ramsey was out, but they right. still had A.J. Bouye yep. out there in the secondary. And in this and this is coming from Pro Football Focus, by the way. No, no catches, no targets against A.J. Bouye, mm -hmm. who was against Emmanuel Sanders for a good chunk of the day. His work came against Jared Wilson and Trey Herndon. Okay. So, That'll be it, it is going to be a step up. Let's... And... You know, maybe we look back at last year, for example, and see uh, what he did. In fact, let's just let's just pick a game out from 2018. Let's pick out the uh, let's pick out the 49ers game, yep. first game that like he was that out there without Emmanuel Sanders. Cortland Sutton. Let's see. He had one target, one catch against DJ Reed Jr. One and one against Elijah Lee. One and zero against Greg Maben. Two and zero against Akella Witherspoon, former CU. Mm -hmm. So in other words, he and Sebrecure Sherman. Right. At least when he caught passes. Tim Patrick actually caught three passes against Richard Sherman mm. that day. So teams weren't 
respecting Cortland. Well, they, it's not that they weren't putting the number one corner on him, always putting the number one cor- corner on him. But what they were doing with Cortland in some games, they were bracketing him. And that's something that I'd really, I'd have to go back and watch every, basically every snap on film uh, to find out uh, how often he was bracketed and how often he wasn't. So that would probably take, unfortunately, um, unfortunately more work than I've, than more time or more. <laughs> boy, now that would unfortunately take more time than I realistically have right now. <laughs> I'd love to find out, though. Mace, bracketing reminds me of teeth. And teeth reminds me of Green Mountain Dental. Nice segue. And as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Again, that's 303-988-988-0711 and you'll get a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Boy, sounds pretty good. Yeah. A couple more comments here on the uh, overall comment from Super Bowling. Vic said he was going to look into changes on the offensive side of the ball. Any word on that? Was listening to some stuff and found out that Freeman leads the running back room in routes run. Found that interesting. Was Vic talking about O-line, how running backs are being used, or something else? Not sure if one of you mentioned his story. Have little time to read them, unfortunately. However, I do feel like I get my money's worth with just the podcast. So you people out there who haven't subscribed, do it. Thank you. And use the <laughs> code MACE <laughs> to subscribe. Think of this like... NPR or PBS. You're listening, <laughs> oh, right. enjoying this. Right. As Kramer on Seinfeld said when he was doing the PBS pledge drive, don't want to be a freeloader, do you? <laughs> I was hesitant to never subscribe to any site or platform for football purposes till this one, and boy, am I happy I did. We'll be re-upping, but haven't decided who to give my vote for. If Zach changes his name to Zach like a normal person, that's Z-A-C-H, <laughs> kidding, he can have mine. Go Broncos. Go DNVR. Hey, I'll do whatever, but just remember the promo code is ZAC. There's no no H on that. And Super Bowl, and that that's really the best testimony. And and that that makes it so it, it feels like we're not being slimy and selling this, Mace. It feels like when you guys tell us how good it is, it makes our day, but it also is the best testimony we can have. Well, the other thing you have to go with is how many outlets covering the Broncos are locally owned? that have the people that bring you the content who are invested right. in the business. Yep. We all are. Yep. You know, it's it's an employee owned business. Yep. That That's we a great have. Point. So we are purely local. Other company other companies that cover the team, I mean maybe they're owned by some hedge fund in Manhattan. Yep. Not gonna name names. You can <laughs> Google and figure that one out. We're local. We are Denver. That's why one of our Slogans is we are Denver. Yep. We're you. Yep. We're so you. Support we're, us. And we're here for you. Yes. So support us with the code Zach or Mace. Next one coming in from Bumpy Buffalo says, Hey guys, huge props for the emergency pod. I know it's not easy to throw this together and have such great content. My buddy and I got in some hypothetical situations and I want your take on a couple. One, Clay Matthews for Vaughn straight across. I know contracts would be a nightmare to deal with in this situation. Downgrade. Wouldn't yeah, do it. I wouldn't either. Two, instead of Fant, we took DJ Metcalf. Or Ooh, DK, DK Metcalf. Metcalf. 
you'd get more now, but it's a lot easier to find wide receivers than tight ends that can play at this level. Look, Noah Fant looks like a rookie tight end. And because tight ends, except Evan Ingram, have to learn two positions, it's going to take them a bit longer. I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm fine with the process on it. I think we'll look back at a game like last Thursday as part of the building process. I mean, we just talked about Vernon Davis earlier in the podcast. Vernon Davis did not look like the guy for even a few years in San Francisco. You go to 09, he'd been in the league, what, four seasons by then? And that was the infamous Mike Singletary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cannot win with him. Cannot play with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Speech. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. The light bulb went on for Vernon Davis after that. Yep. And he became a terrific player. Yep. He did. So I agree with you. I'm not giving up on Fant, what, seven weeks into the season? Yeah, I'd still rather have Fant. Three for Mr. B. Four, Trent Williams for a one. Trade up two second rounders for a late first. Then your le- line is fine. Left to right, Williams, Wilkinson, Reisner, McGovern, James. Or Williams, Reisner, McGovern, Wilkinson, James. Did you trade a one? No, because he's he's reaching the point age-wise where he should be declining. Yeah. So I'm not doing that. I'm not either. Five, Bengals. Bengals lost to the Dolphins in week 16. Scored 2-0 because bad snap at the one that leads to a Dalton let's go in the end zone. Do they take Tua or leave Miami for an extra pick to swap spots? I think Cincinnati would take Tua. I think so, too. I, they have to be in the quarterback market, don't they? They are. They are. They're, they're, they're just getting by with Andy Dalton. I think they're going to try to uh, make a deal with Andy Dalton in the offseason as yep. far as a trade. Ship of, him out. Yep. Yeah, in my nightmares, I, I wake up at 3 <laughs> 14 in the morning, and um, the Broncos have traded for yet another veteran quarterback, and Sandy Dalton. That would be... That I would be thought, bad. actually, I didn't think about that at 314 in the morning. I thought about that at 314 Eastern Time in the afternoon when I was down in Orlando this past weekend, and because it was a Jaguars road game, it was what they were getting on local television. So I was watching, voluntarily watching, <laughs> Bengals-Jaguars. Uh-uh. And I guess said, ugh, and my wife's like, what's wrong? I said, I just thought about Aint Dalton being a quarterback. It's like, oh, don't even, and she's like, don't even do that. <laughs> don't put yourself down that dark hole. No. <laughs> that would be in an Arctic winter where there's no sun. Yes. No sun. Six, if we got an offer for Vaughn, first, two firsts, whatever it may be, do we take it and immediately turn and trade to get Shaq Barrett and bring him back opposite of Chubb? I'd do it for two firsts. I don't think that offer is coming. Right. As for Shaq Barrett, don't be surprised if the Bucks franchise him. <sighs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Why? Although his production has tailed off the last few weeks. What, what's he at now? Does he have 10 sacks? Is he a double digit? I think he's still stuck on nine. Ooh, it has tailed off. You wonder if uh, how much that'll hurt him. If he gets back to where he's in mid, middle double-digit territory, yeah, he's stuck on nine. He hasn't had a sack in the last two games. But let's say over the next 10 games, that Shaq Barrett in that Maryland accent, <laughs> let's say Shaq Barrett has five sacks in the next 10 games, and that's yep. 14 for the year. Yep. I I think the Bucks will think strongly about franchising. Yeah, you can't you can't let that type of productivity leave. Now, I don't think the Broncos trade 
for him, but they could if they don't if the Bucks don't franchise tag him, Broncos have an opportunity to pay him big time money. Mm-hmm. Next one, seven, eight. Instead of trading for Flacco, well, seven for Elway, or seven for Elway, yeah, eight. Instead of trading for Flacco, we keep the fourth and trade down or use it for Minshew. Hindsight on this one. I like Gardner Minshew a lot. I don't have confidence that the Broncos would have tailored the offense to his skill set. No, definitely not. And to me, that's part of the problem here is that they're focused on the scheme and making everyone fit that rather than tweaking the scheme to fit the players that they have. And it makes it inflexible. I don't like inflexibility in coaching and schemes. There's a reason why some of the top coaches of all time are Don Shula and Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs was very adaptable. He came from out of Don Coriel's San Diego Chargers attack, tweaked it in Washington to be more power-based. Went too tight end with an H, sometimes with an H back, because he had John Riggins as a power runner. Then, as the team evolved in the 80s, they went back to going three wide again because he had three outstanding receivers, Art Monk, a Hall of Famer, Gary Clark, and Ricky Sanders. Don Shula, in the 70s, won with as meat and potatoes a team as you could find. <laughs> De- the no-name defense. Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris, Jim Kick in the backfield. Power-based offense that could beat you over the top with Paul Warfield on a nine ball. Then a decade later, he gets Dan Marino. And then Don Shula was more than happy to play pitch and catch with Marino throwing to Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, Jimmy Cephalo, Nat Moore, everybody else over his time in Miami. Adaptability, I think, is key. And it's one area in which I'm not completely sold, at least on the offensive side, that they're adaptable to the talent they have. That's the that's the concern I have about Rich Gangarello because I feel like there's been a lot of jamming square pegs in the round holes to fit the scheme. Scheme, scheme, scheme. Yep. Scheme above all else. And I don't like that. It's You know what? There's the old cliche. It's about the Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. <laughs> yep, exactly. And with adaptability, it's not just the big picture like we're talking about. It's also, can you adjust to fit your opponent's weaknesses on a weekend and week out basis, and that's something that is just mind-blowing that it seems like the Patriots are the only team to consistently do that. They don't mind throwing the ball 50 times with Tom Brady, and then the next week, running the ball 50 times and having Tom drop back 17 times. That is good coaching right there. Yeah. Dan Burke, number one, I agree with Mace. They probably should have acquired Fitzpatrick and saved the money, but I'm not sure I agree with going after Quan Alexander. He's playing great right now, but Elway constantly gets criticized for signing injured players to big deals, and the 49ers are wary of Quan's injury, judging by the way his contract is structured. Very low signing bonus, and they can cut him after this year with only $3 million of dead cap. Yeah, that's a great contract. The Broncos got a similarly injured player in Jawan James, and they didn't get that sort of contract. It's a failure on the Broncos, I would say, perhaps. The 49ers, that is a good contract for a player coming off of injury because it doesn't hinder you going forward if he has a relapse. Yep, exactly. So, number two, I'm 100% a cap supporter, so there's no political bias here, but the pay cut narrative is a bit unfair to the Broncos. I don't fault cap for eventually going with the higher guarantees that he was getting from the 49ers, but he had the opportunity to get up to $14 million in incentives with Denver 
The Broncos were the defending Super Bowl champs and still had a great defense in place, and Peyton Manning was asked to and took a $4 million pay cut. Cap shouldn't have been off limits to the same question. The problem is that's just a rough place to start when you're bringing in a quarterback for the first time. Right. To say, okay, we want you, but we want you to take a pay cut to come here. Right. It's... Well, it's part of the arrogance I think the Broncos had coming out of Super Bowl 50. And I would hope that arrogance has been whipped out of them yep. after going 9-7, and 5-11, and 6-10, and, and now sitting at 2-5. and five. Yep. And simply, that's just what John's response and answer would be if asked about Colin Kaepernick, because that's been his answer in the past. Mm-hmm. I believe he was asked last offseason about it, or right before training camp started about it, and that was his answer was, Colin had his had his opportunity. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, Dan. I appreciate the comment. I just is that really where you want to start with a quarterback that you bring in from right. another team and say, okay, we need you to take a haircut here? The guy of the future. I mean, the quarterback, most important position in sports. But yeah, that may be another what if. Mm. I should start writing these down. The what if on Colin Kaepernick. The what if on Russell Wilson. You're not going to have to write any other content this offseason. You're going to have to. You're going to have plenty of what ifs. Oh. <laughs> I will write other content because I want to write about the future. <laughs> yeah. Break down some of these uh, draft quarterbacks and players' other positions. Number three for Mr. B. Number four. Totally agree with Mace on the Eric Ebron comp for Fant. Ebron had a ton of question marks about his maturity levels when he was with Detroit, and that seems to be the way Fant is trending. This was a quote that I found about Ebron from the Indianapolis Star when he signed with the Colts. Quote, he posted respectable numbers over four years but battled bouts of drop passes and immaturity issues and became a popular punching bag in Detroit. Unquote. Great find there, Dan Burke. You always bring good comments to us. Um, But, yeah, Ebron is just another example of why tight ends take time. And we just mentioned Vernon Davis as well a few minutes ago. Be patient with a player at that position. Yep, you have how, to be. And how does it look for Eric Ebron? Last year, he had 66 catches, 750 yards, and 13 touchdowns. I think if Noah Fant puts that up at any point in his career, Broncos fans will be thrilled. And right. the question, how is Eric Ebron doing this year? Of course, because last year he had Andrew Luck throwing passes to him, so that helped his production. But sitting there now with Jacoby Brissett throwing him passes, he had a great touchdown catch against Houston last Sunday, and his overall production is down 13 catches, 206 yards, but he still has the three touchdowns on just 13 grabs, probably poised to break out. Part of that, I think, is they were they were really kind of easing Jacoby Brissett along. Right. For the first time Sunday, it seemed like they unleashed Jacoby Brissett. Yep. And as they unleash him, I expect Eric Ebron's numbers will tick back up closer to the pace that he was on with the Colts last year. But he's he's a productive tight end, and he's only 26 years old. It seems like he's been around the league forever. Yeah. But he was a 21-year-old rookie. He turned pro Mm -hmm. with a year of eligibility remaining, kind of like Noah Fant did. Yep, exactly. And despite only having 206 receiving yards on the air, I would not be surprised if he's a big part of the game plan this weekend. They may try to catch Alexander Johnson out of the position and get him on Eric Ebron. Yep. Next one coming in from Hard Rocker says, I'm honestly glad to see Sanders gone. He is a locker room cancer. Well, that sort of runs counter to what we were saying about a lot of people being happy for Emmanuel Sanders going to the 49ers. I did a radio spot on KNBR out in the San Francisco Bay Area on Tuesday night. And that subject came up and I said this and I'll say it here. 
there are some players who are just fine when everything's going well, but when things aren't, they become a problem. It's a struggle to kind of handle adversity, especially after having seen success. Emmanuel Sanders was one of those guys who really struggled to adjust to the new reality of what the Broncos became in the last three and a half seasons. And I kind of get it. First year, Emmanuel Sanders in the league with Pittsburgh. They go to the Super Bowl, lose to Green Bay. But it's a functional, quality organization. He has a future Hall of Famer slinging him passes in Ben Roethlisberger. He goes to Denver. He's got an even better future Hall of Famer in Peyton Manning firing him passes. So I try to see this from Emmanuel's point of view. He knows what quality looks like in terms of organizations, locker rooms, quarterbacks, leadership. What the Broncos became wasn't it. Some people can suffer in silence. Emmanuel Sanders is not a suffer in silence type of person. And wasn't it pretty obvious to everyone from media to teammates to the organization that when things were going well, Emmanuel is going to be just fine. When things weren't going well, he probably wasn't going to be the happiest. So th- th- this wasn't a surprise when it happened. And whatever happened in the Tennessee game probably caught no one off guard. We, they, the Broncos probably knew this was coming. Yes. Next one coming in from Y, or no, next one coming in for you. Count Flacula. Our team is in shambles and somehow Mace continues to be a damn legend, pinning <laughs> such gems as what the Broncos must do next after the Sanders trade. Another tour de force to help us wade through this quagmire of suck. Thanks, Mace. Love the count. Thank you. <laughs> count Placula, you always make my day. Thank you. <laughs> yes, you make all of our day count. Next one from Y.O. Bronco says, hey, guys, sorry, and I completely understand if you want to skip my long comment, but I just have to get some things off my chest. This is my first time commenting. Well, we're going to read it all. I took the camp offer and subscribed right around the time the sub record was broken and haven't regretted it. Love to hear it. Do you hear that, everyone that hasn't subscribed? While, while my preseason prediction of 0-16 didn't hold true, thank goodness, I don't see many, if any, winnable games left. Sorry for the following takes, but I have become a very disgruntled fan as of late. One, Garbage Flacco has to go. If I have to see one more super slow-mo rollout pass, I might lose my mind. Watching Flacco run this terrible Skangs offense is about as fun as artificial insemination. Two, Skangs needs to go. It was a terrible hire to pair with your first-time head coach. Tired of the boring old-school West Coast offense. We need innovation. Get with the times. I understand continuity with an offense is important, but we have zero offense now. After the scripted plays, it's terrible. You can see Flacco roll his eyes when he gets the play call. Three for Mr. B. Four, while I'm not real sure on Drew being the guy, we absolutely have to find out what we have right now. At least it gives us fans something to look forward to. He can't be any worse, and I think the O-line and the rest of the team will respond to to his enthusiasm and moxie. I think it will, too, and I think also if you're smart and adapt the play calling and what you do schematically to the strengths of the quarterback, then you're getting him out of the pocket and you're telling him if it's not there in two and a half seconds, take off, scramble for five yards, and go on to the next play. Yep. Five, O-line is not good. Flush the bowls down. Hmm. My eighth grade son is a lineman, and even he sees and understands that he is holding. But honestly, 
would you want to block for a lifeless zombie of a quarterback? Well, it's your job to block no matter who the quarterback is. Six, I understand nothing will happen with Elway till ownership is straightened out and new owner gets to pick their guy as should be. But in my eyes, every inept decision he makes chips away at his legacy. Right now, I'm about ready to remove his name from the ring of fame. Only kidding, of course. Well, kind of. Well, you're seeing right now the downside of hiring a legend as a head coach or a general manager because when it turns, do you stick with that legend too long because he was so important to your franchise's history? Students of football history that have been around for decades, if you're so if you're a listener perhaps in your 50s or an older, you may, may remember Bart Starr coaching the Green Bay Packers from 1975 to 1983. And Bart Starr, he was like VP, GM, head coach. He was the, yeah. for most of the time there, he was the alpha and omega of that organization. And most of those years in Green Bay were damn mediocre. They probably held on to Bart Starr a few years longer than they should have just because he was Bart Starr, to that point, the greatest quarterback in Packers history, franchise legend, connection to Vince Lombardi, all of that. And I definitely see some parallels here. And it certainly was a traumatic moment for the franchise when they finally fired Bart Starr. The hard part about hiring John Elway, and I said this back in 2011, is that someday you may have to part ways with John Elway if yeah. it doesn't work. And so we're seeing the downside right now that there's this conflict. Like he accomplished so much, and even as general manager, they had a Super Bowl on his watch. But now where is it? Right. So it's it's a tough spot. It's the one downside of having a franchise legend running your football operations, and it's why I know there are people that want to see Peyton Manning come in. It's why I would say I'm not sure that's the best idea here. I would even tell Peyton Manning that if he wants to go run an organization, go do what Steve Eiserman did in the NHL. Go run the Lightning when you were a Red Wings legend. Right. Go somewhere where you can write a different chapter and not be burdened by connections to the past i think it's cleaner for everybody right i mean totally fair go be a ring of famer in two different places or, hey. or something along those lines i well, guess peyton already is yep i guess he can make, make it, it three, three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seven heard this on another broncos podcast and someone agree fans quit showing up for games show up for the dnvr tailgate but let our stadium be flooded with opposing teams fans until the front office gets the hint you know back in the 1970s at giant stadium giants fans were so upset that uh some of them got a plane to fly over the stadium with a, I think it was like 15 years of lousy football. We've had enough on the banner. I don't know if today you can get the plane to fly over the stadium like you used to. There was another game where fans delayed their arrival and came in like at the end of the first quarter on mass. Wow. So maybe sends a message. Yeah. Maybe that is something. If you're that frustrated, to say, okay, we're still going to go to the game, but we're going to come in one quarter late. But that's hard to do. Yes. I mean, I, I can think of this as a Bucks fan growing up. Even then, I knew that football games were precious. There were only eight regular season home games a year, and I didn't want to miss any of them. Right, no. It, Even exactly. when the team was terrible. And that would be sending a message directly to Joe Ellis. Well, 
The other thing is empty seats will send a message. Mm-hmm. If you have high no-show counts for Broncos games the rest of the way, that will send a clear message. Yep, yep. Eight, Patrick off IR. Are you kidding me? He is a mediocre as the rest of the receiving core. Hamilton has done nothing. Let Winfrey play. See what Theo can bring to the team and play lock. Let's see Spencer on some fly routes. Sutton needs somebody else to step up. Nine, fire McTerrible now. Our special teams is a joke and has been. Ten, verdict is still out on Vic, but quit with Vic to the box. (laughs) I see numerous coaches calling plays from the sideline every Sunday just fine. Maybe there's a reason he hasn't been a head coach after being in the in the league a hundred years. Eleven. Can we trade televised Broncos games for televised Avs games? Sack it for Broncos GM. LOL. Sorry to my fellow fans and listeners for all the negativity, but things need to change with this organization. Keep up the amazing content. Go Broncos. Z Christensen. That was a great comment from uh, Wyoming. Thank you. Z Christensen says, guys, thanks for the overtime pod work. The best in the biz. Keep improving. A very late welcome to the team, Mace. I've been reading your stuff for years and love the context you add for us. I'm stoked for the value we got for Sanders. Great move by old number seven. Hopefully we see what we can get for some other vets and give them a better opportunity elsewhere while they can still play good ball. Hopefully we can stick to the plan of the last two years and add quality character dudes and get this thing right and not squander the lifeboat dudes. That said, Mace, who do you see being on the GM market in the next couple of years? What would it take to pry Ed Dodds from Indianapolis, he being my top three. Hang in there, Broncos country, ZC. Okay, well, there's one name on the GM market that's going to be very familiar to uh, Broncos fans. That's Adam Peters, who is uh, yep. working as a, a VP and basically the right hand to John Lynch out in San Francisco. He's one name that I would keep my eye on as a potential GM here. Familiarity with the organization, even familiarity with John Elway, if he decides to go into more of an overseeing uh, type of role. Um, Champ Kelly, another former Bronco, is working with the Bears right now. I'd be surprised if Champ Kelly is not a general manager somewhere in the league within the next two years. Mm-hmm. I know there are some teams that are high on him uh, right now. Scott McLuhan, maybe the best personnel evaluator in the business, brought a lot of talent to Washington. The team didn't work out, but that's organizational issues more than anything else. He had some issues with alcohol and so forth, so he's no longer with Washington. But he's a guy that if he can put everything away from football, if he can put that behind him, then I'm not sure you'll find a more astute judge of football talent anywhere than Scott McClellan. Yeah, and and Adam Peters, he's a guy who could be a GM next year. I mean, look Mm -hmm. what the 49ers are doing, 7-0. If they go 14-2, I mean, it. Feels crazy to say, but that's not crazy to say after you start seven. Well, and considering the 49ers really committed to a rebuild. Now they right. they bottomed out. They went two and fourteen with Chip Kelly. But they gave Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch long term contracts, six years, and said this is gonna take some time. They basically treated it like an expansion team. Really yep. dug in on the rebuild. Look where they are now. They've got talent. They've got cap space to add more talent and free agency. And now they're at the point where they can afford to sacrifice draft capital. Right now, the 49ers don't have a second, third, or fourth round pick. Wow. After trades for Emmanuel Sanders and D. Ford. Wow. But they can afford to do that because they've been hitting on a lot of draft picks. And it is, as we saw this summer when they came in to practice with the Broncos for a couple of days, it is a very 
talented roster. It is. It is. Next one coming in from Oklahoma Bronco 58. Hey guys, just wondering with this trade, is it more likely we see Juwan Winfrey or is it more likely Tim Patrick gets activated? Any word on Drew Locke if, if he's practicing this week? Also, there is still lots of spots left in the DNVR Madden League. It's a lot of fun. Even if you aren't good, my Madden skills are less than ideal, but I've had fun with it and anybody that's on the fence should definitely join. If I ever get back into playing Madden, I think I'm going to have to sign up for that. Oh, I'm definitely going to have it's to. It's just a time thing for me. And unfortunately, right now, my video game time suck is uh, <laughs> Football Manager, which is a, a soccer uh, management simulation game where you can run a club for 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I do that and like two hours go by without me even thinking <laughs> about it. So. Are your teams good? Well, I'm at the beginning of it. I'm in year one. Okay. And... I start. I basically I downloaded the game and started playing it about a two weeks ago. I'm about two thirds of the way through the season. I started with a third tier team in England. Okay, want to move them up and uh, see where they go. We are right now sitting at second place. By the way, nice. Star, Star Wars fans will love what I named the team Old Republic FC. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and even though um, the Old Republic had dissolved by the time of the Rebel Alliance. Our nickname is the Rebels. The older, you know, so, yeah, and we're sitting in second place right now, poised to get promoted up to the uh, league championship level in English football. So we're pretty excited about that. Maybe, maybe you should take over the Broncos. Well, I had a good budget. Mm. Um, we had a couple, and we've gone. The thing is, the first thing I did was you can kind of create some players. So I created some talented but raw mm. young players Smart. from around the world. There's you know one from Israel, one from New Zealand, one from the <laughs> U.S., one from Mauritius, um, one from France, and signed these young players. And there have been some bumps, especially our goalkeeper, who is an American. Rough. But part of it is also <laughs> I figure if I develop a really good American goalkeeper, then it also simulates international play on this as you're doing okay. it. You're not managing it, but you're, okay. you're seeing how your players do yep. internationally. So I'm hoping that he becomes the keeper for the U.S. national team <laughs> yeah. in due time. Boy, who would have thought that youth movements can be good? Shows you what I believe in. Uh, 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 right. So uh, uh, uh. That, that it's it's playing to that. I'm like, we're. I started the game. I said, I'm going to go with young talent. Our, our leading goal scorer, by the way, is an American and he's 19 years old and I just created him just for the game. <laughs> and basically he's, he's 19 and he's carrying my team. <laughs> wow. Wow. A, a young striker named York street. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Flack attack. Mike Cliss tweeted a Fangio quote regarding how frustrated Bron Broncos fans are. He said, it's a loyal fan base and one that I've grown quickly to appreciate. Is this a legitimate sentiment Vic holds or is he just trying to appease the fans? I think it's legit. Yeah. I think it's completely legit. I do too. I think he he's really bought into the city, immersed himself, and under, understands what this team means. And he also understands that this is the number one sports team mm -hmm. in the state. Yep. I feel the only thing us frustrated fans have done is upset Phil and others and given them even less to be inspired about this season. Look, <sighs> fan support and avidity reflects the play on the field. And... I do believe in the concept of corrective booing. Mm. That it is okay to boo. I think now, so too. sometimes it's ridiculous. If you booed Peyton Manning, that was ridiculous. <laughs> but this team, it's two and five. 
it's it needs a significant turnaround to avoid its third consecutive losing season, fourth consecutive non-playoff season. Last Thursday, I thought the effort was lacking as the game got out of hand. It's okay to boo. And the team's taking its sweet time on offense, huddling when it's down three scores instead of going up tempo, trying to get back in it. Yeah, you can boo. And it's fine. And Vic on Friday after that even said, yeah, they were probably justified in booing. Vic's a Philly guy. Remember mm-hmm. that. In Philadelphia, they believe in the concept of corrective booing. Yeah. So if anybody is going to understand booing, it's Vic Fangio. It is. It is. And on that note, Mace... It was an awesome pod. Loved rolling with you again today. Likewise. And happy hump day to everyone. The weekend is in sight, so make sure you break break out a Breckenridge brew. Check out our presenting sponsor, Strava Craft Coffee, and have a fantastic Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have 
referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.